Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. Hello, I'm Steve Abramowitz, and this is the Mill Creek View podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community, this time special guest Marley Hornick. And so welcome to our People in the News, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today we are talking with Marley Hornick. United Sovereign Americans is dedicated to protecting the individual liberty of all citizens of America by assuring transparent, unwaveringly lawful, and trustworthy elections. The right of citizens to freely choose our representatives guarantees that our government upholds our will and serves by consent. Our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness are secured by the law. United Sovereign Americans is a volunteer organization committed to ensuring fidelity to the law as it relates to elections and voting. United Sovereign Americans is at the ready to guard the validity of elections through education and litigation. This is the opportunity for you to join the greatest liberty movement since 1776. United Sovereign Americans pledge to each other that we will unify to peacefully remove the current attack upon our beloved Democratic Republic, the United States of America, that we will stay loyal to our commitment, unwavering in our dedication to freedom, and together achieve a beautiful victory, upholding individual liberty for all, not just one party, for all. We are an organization of citizen volunteers working to ensure valid constitutional elections that are fair, accurate, and trustworthy. They also seek to hold citizens, politicians, and officials responsible for obeying our election laws. New York Citizens Audit is a nonprofit uh, group of citizens dedicated to restoring and maintaining the essential founding American principle of sovereignty through honest, provable elections in New York and across the nation. Marley Hornick, our guest today, Executive Director, and Christine Moore are Audit New York. Marley is a champion of individual liberty in her leadership role on the New York election stage, as well as at home. She and her husband, along with three home birth children are adopt and adopted grandmother, grow their own natural foods, manage a small herd of dairy goats holistically, make their own medicines, and steward a beautiful homestead in harmony with the principles of a divine creation. Hello, Mrs. Hornick. How are you today, madam? Hi, I'm great. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me on. Great. Well, I hope I uh, said the right things in your bio, but uh, we kind of get the point. You got a problem there in New York. We got a problem here in the United States and you're going to fix it. Uh, it's a very lofty mission. Can't do something like that alone. So tell us about Christy Moore, proud, proud granddaughter of a World War II POW veteran. Well, she's one of my co-founders of New York Citizens Audit. That's how I got into the election validity uh, debate nationally and uh, actually discovered a pathway through for evidence that's emanating from the state voter roll databases themselves. So using official data in New York and now in 23 other states under United Sovereign Americans, we have demonstrated millions of potential violations of election law regarding the accuracy and currency of our voter roll databases and whether or not actually provably qualified citizens are the ones casting votes in our federal elections. So Christy was one of my co-founders at the beginning of this movement, and she continues to help. Now, Harry Howry is a co-founder with me of United Sovereign Americans, where we're bringing these potential violations of law 
uh, across the nation into federal court. 24 states, almost half, uh, not quite half. Um, how are you going to be able to get it to everyone else as well? Oh, that's a great question. Hopefully <laughs> some people listening to your podcast in those other states will decide to come and volunteer and represent their states. United Sovereign Americans is a wholly volunteer organization. In fact, we even currently have most phenomenally pro bono attorneys who are so dedicated to this particular set of constitutional arguments that they're willing to even function as attorneys working in a volunteer capacity. Uh, very brilliant and compassionate American citizens. And we are taking these millions of violations and hundreds of thousands of potential voting violations by state and petitioning federal judges in each of the states where we can make these claims to basically clarify for us, we're the sovereign of this country. That's outlined in the Declaration of Independence. It's outlined in the Constitution. This is a fact in the United States of America. Government by consent is our founding principle. And we want to know from our federal judges across this country, do our election officials have to follow the law or not? It's basically that simple. And what we would like to do is compel them to follow the law in 2024. Um, in all likelihood, that's only going to apply to the 2024 general election, just to be clear, which is um, that's just the reality of our timing and the amount of effort that needs to be done in each state. But this is an incredible effort, an incredible research, uh, literally a professional forensic research effort into the voter roll databases across America by citizen volunteers to generate this particular kind of evidence that comes out of their own data. It's their numbers, their data. We're not making anything up and we've measured it. Okay. So uh, you mentioned his name for those who may not have heard it. Harry uh, Hori was also Howry. one of your co-founders. Yeah. Tell him, tell us a little bit about him. How'd you two team up and what's his credentials that gives him the, the activation to want to do this too? <laughs> Harry Howry is a dear friend and an interesting uh, person who has worked um, for multiple three-letter agencies over his career as a cybersecurity and information assurance professional and expert, subject matter expert. He has worked in such areas as continuity of communications for the White House, uh, cyber and cybersecurity for Sandia National Laboratories, worked for uh, multiple three-letter agents as an architect for their cybersecurity systems. And he also coincidentally worked in the banking industry at the time that the Help America Vote Act was written in 2002. And he ended up being one of the authors of the procedural requirements under the Help America Vote Act for the processing of electronic ballots, uh, specifically under the law and the accuracy requirements and the cyber requirements in order to do that accurately and securely. Mm, okay. Now, you had better things to do than get involved in this uh, Herculean task recently. You were among the most promising female singer-songwriters, uh, major <laughs> recording debut in the early 2000s, right? For you, the phrase female singer-songwriter has not been synonymous with angry young woman. How do you avoid getting <laughs> angry about elections, uh, election integrity? 
I went digging. I got to know who I'm talking to. So I don't sound stupid. <laughs> um, so how do you avoid not being an angry young woman when you're dealing with election integrity issues that are so frustrating? I can only imagine. Well, first of all, thankfully, I'm not a young woman anymore, so I can uh, approach things with a little bit more maturity and wisdom than I did at the time I was actively pursuing a singing, singing career. Uh, but I would say in addition to that, one of the most interesting journeys of my life was started at the pit, which was an event sponsored and hosted by Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips from True the Vote in Arizona uh, in August of 2022. And largely the pit was an opportunity for them to expose the information they had uncovered about Connick in a way that was somewhat protective of their personal safety at, at a bare minimum because they had been involved in an FBI entrapment operation basically where they'd been working with the FBI for 18 months and suddenly the operation turned against them. Now, they were aware at the time that myself and Andrew Paquette, who was the research director for New York Citizens Audit, had met with a number of state um, law enforcement agents regarding a finding that we had uncovered in New York's voter roll database. Uh, basically, there. Uh, this is kind of a, a whole nother rabbit hole, but there are um, algorithmic controls over the assignment of state and county IDs within the New York State Voter Roll Database. Um, and the implications are rather staggering in terms of the ability to inject fictitious votes and have them appear to align with fictitious registrants or potentially fictitious registrants. It's a very uh, dense investigation. But at the time, they knew that I had met with state law enforcement agents and that whole operation, the whole investigation had been passed immediately as an emergency matter to the Foreign Intelligence Task Force of the FBI. So they also were concerned for myself and Andrew, and they allowed me 10 minutes at the pit to present that information. And you can go back and watch that video. It's on the New York Citizens Audit Rumble channel. It's about 20 minutes long because I mm. didn't quite limit myself to 10 minutes. Anyway, <laughs> sitting across you. from me at that table was Harry Howery. And we proceeded to spend uh, much to the chagrin of our spouses who were uh, a little bit concerned, we proceeded to spend the next year on the phone. And we spent that time dissecting the Constitution, uh, the Federal Prosecution of Election Offenses Manual published by the Department of Justice, um, HAVA, the Help America Vote Act, the National Voter Registration Act, the Federal Information Security Modernization Act, all of these Actually, they're interestingly, they're, they're federal laws that govern our election systems through the civil rights approach. The, the federal government has no authority to dictate the time, place, or manner of elections in states. That's a, a, an issue of federalism. So the states, the states choose all of that. But since our right of suffrage is a protected civil right, under uh, the 14th Amendment in particular, but basically since the inception of the United States, um, 
They have the authority to govern it as a civil rights matter and have significantly added to the body of law that restricts what is allowed to happen inside of our voting systems based on civil rights. So that's- yeah, We often say um, on the show that ever since the Civil Rights Act of 1968, the constitution itself was actually supplanted by some folks on mostly the progressive left to say that that's our new constitution, not the original one. And that's where we got into this originalization thing. But ever since Al Gore sent an army of lawyers into Florida in, 20, in 2000, it's been a lawyer boom with elections. Mark Elias happens to be his name for today, but he's not the only one. Are you finding Dems more pushback than Republicans? Maybe in your 24 states, they're more willing to talk to you because they're the red states, as they call them, or something like that. Maybe more of them to hide than the other side. What are you finding in terms of party willing to, to stop you, trying to stop you? Interestingly, um, the United Sovereign Americans effort Many of the people who are involved in representing particular states I've known for over two years now um, because of my work in New York. And all of us have hit the exact same brick wall, which is literally no one wants the books opened up. No one wants the election voting systems opened up and deeply audited and exposed both both controlling parties would like, it appears that both parties would like the opportunity to significantly put their thumb on the scale in particular elections where they may have more authority than the other party. And frankly, it's disgusting. This country belongs to the people. It does not belong to the parties. It is a, it is a fool's errand to think that just because there is a Democratic and a Republican representative oversighting an election, that means it's secure and that means it's fair. And I think people across this country, and many of them are currently volunteering for United Sovereign Americans, have just about had it with taking the word of parties, the security and accuracy of our elections. Yeah, I always thought ever since uh, Tim Russert on Meet the Press divided us up into blue and green, it was a very much a disservice because then the red states decided to act like red states and blue states decided to act like blue states. And so now they're fighting for something that really shouldn't happen and keeping that power as you're talking about. So New York, let's talk about your hometown for a minute. Um, what a mess, uh, my words. On, on socials, we see homeless and illegals falling out of hotels. The taxpayers pay for that. And into the freezing streets right now, uh, people jumping on cars, ladies twerking on cop cars, and nothing is happening in the week on crime. Soros DA funded Letitia James, Trump entrapment case. Obviously, if you're into natural foods and a small herd of dairy goats, you're probably not living in Manhattan or Hell's Kitchen where my friends live. <laughs> Too much concrete or, or the Upper East Side where Madonna and Woody Allen are. So A, what is going on in New York specifically, and B, why do you still call it home? Mm -hmm. What is going on in New York is, uh, I would say, the same issue that other blue states are facing and <clears throat> purple states are headed into and red states would be wise to pay close attention to which is the complete disenfranchisement of the qualified citizen voters who reside in New York. 
For example, in August of 2023, New York Citizens Audit submitted an official report containing potential criminal violations of the law, which included over 5 million unique potential registration violations within the New York State Voter Roll Database, 745,000 votes in the 2022 general election cast by these uncertain registrations, meaning no one knows if they're actually qualified to vote because their registration records are either blatantly illegal compared to black letter law, or they simply do not meet any provable standard of uh, verification, or they, they're lacking particular qualities, information that's required under New York state law for them to be qualified to vote. This is a, um, an epic, <laughs> an epic investigation that is uncovering these facts. In the 2020 general election in New York, we had 338,000 more votes counted than voters who voted. No one knows how 338,000 ballots entered the system and were counted. It is an act of perjury on the part of our election officials to certify that election as accurate and compliant. And we have just about had it in New York because of all the things you're talking about, which clearly who in their right mind, what, what level-headed citizen would choose to live in that kind of culture and that kind of chaos? And in fact, all the people who are in uh, the city and particularly in projects in inner city areas that are uh, underserved by their democratic governors are very concerned about public safety, <laughs> rightfully so, yeah. and, and living in chaos now. So yeah. this, is, this is a very serious matter and it's replicated across states. Uh, the Ohio 2022 general election, for example, at the time of certification, they had over a million more voters or votes counted than voters who voted because of a particular and completely inane provision in Ohio law, which actually allows the counties to update the records 20 days after certification. How can you certify an election that isn't reconciled? You can't. You You're cheat. not allowed you to cheat. file your taxes and tell the IRS, hey, you know, I'll backfill this later. OK, get, I'll get back to you in 20 days. That's simply not acceptable when you're filing your taxes. And here, the single most important thing that we do as a country in securing our civil right to government by consent to be ruled by laws, which we ourselves have approved. And we don't even require that they reconcile before they sign that document. And, and that's not okay. And we're going to be holding people accountable. But the first thing we have to do is throw a whole bunch of sand in their gears for 2024. So this is the first approach that we're working on with the United Sovereign Americans is to go in front of these judges in federal court across this country and say, basically, here's the law. Here's what we found, you know, is this acceptable? Does this qualify as a valid and certifiable federal election? Because if it doesn't, we demand that they follow the law in 2024. Mm -hmm. 
42 towns in 15 counties have signed the NYCA resolution for an audit of New York's 2022 general election. How'd that go? Actually, that number is now 74 as of this morning. Nice. <laughs> and it's awesome. It's extraordinary. And uh, today, also in Illinois, they presented a resolution. It was in Kane County. Uh, Volunteers for United Sovereign Americans presented a resolution for an audit of the 2022 election. This resolution for an audit, it sounds like maybe a red herring. It's more like a Trojan horse because it gives volunteers across America the opportunity to go to their local town officials and county officials and present evidence in the uh, public comment period of their official meetings to basically educate them not only about the numbers for their state and the particular issues in their state, but also the underlying principles of our election systems that most of us have forgotten. For example, uh, the Reynolds v. Sims ruling by the Supreme Court in 1964 clearly says that dilution of the vote has now been identified as an equal abridgment to denial of the vote. So the issues we're finding in the voter rolls clearly point to dilution of a qualified citizen's vote. So, hey, let's put that out in front of these town boards. Let's put it to the county in the, the county legislatures. Let's let them know. Let's read them in Ray Coy, a Supreme Court ruling from 1888 that identifies that election officials who vary from the law, that is considered intent. If it's a if it's a, a congressional election or a federal election, and the election official who is in, in charge of administering that election varies from the law, that's intent. It's not like securities fraud or other kinds of fraud. Um, and and actually, the reason behind that is is self evident. In an election, you have two natural adversaries. Right. So basically, you're operating in what cybersecurity people I now know from Harry call a zero trust system. You have, you know, the one election or, or the one party, the one candidate and the other candidate, and they have no reason and no responsibility to trust each other. So how do we trust in the outcome of elections? It's because the officials administering that election never waver from the law. They are walking a tightrope between those two candidates and all the constituents who are represented by the ideas and uh, philosophy of those two candidates, right? And so if the election official is walking that line, if they vary, why did they vary? It's such a huge responsibility. And the law says, the Supreme Court recognized in 1888, the reason they vary is simple it's called fraud and it immediately calls the entire election into question mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and their behavior and that's again that's not an issue of an election outcome <clears throat> that doesn't mean that we know that the election was incorrectly called it means that there was election misconduct and the officials themselves need to be held accountable for their misconduct and the election needs to be redone because it can no longer be trusted. Yeah, and that's what they were banking on is there would be no time and no will to actually redo any of these elections after the results were in, which they rushed to do so that Fox can say, Arizona is called at 5 p.m. before NBC does it. I, I understand. 
Uh, let's talk about New York a little bit more for a second. We got we got some time. I just want to know, would you say it's worse there than the 70s when garbage was piling up and the city almost went bankrupt? Or do you see signs of improvement now that de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo are gone where that could give you a little <laughs> space or a crack in the door to actually get some of these things you're trying to do fixed in New York? No, I would say we're headed straight back into the 70s, into the worst case scenario. And uh, there's no sign of another Giuliani on the radar who could get elected at this point because our elections are clearly heavily um, weighted. And it's not obvious that those who are serving in office were actually chosen by the people and that they're right. representing, you know, that the these insane policies are what people would actually select for their their governance and their lives. So no, I think it's a nightmare in New York and I think it's getting worse everywhere. And um, I, the only thing I can do as a means of um, allaying my, my anger or allaying my fear or anxiety about any of those issues is to use my wits and my grits, as I like to say, and approach this issue in a manner that has the opportunity for a peaceful remedy and a true and honest remedy for the people. Because you didn't even have to go to law school to figure it out. I mean, it's all pretty straightforward. I didn't. You know, I have, New York you elections. Can clearly see, I have no piece of paper on my wall. <laughs> yeah. Well, no green screen because you have your logo back there. But, but uh, you know, New York elections obviously massively violate state and federal law. That's what you're telling us. But that's not new. Uh, Tammany Hall was a New York City political organization that endured for 200 years. Um, it was known for its corruption and boss tweed. Uh, its power waned during the tenure of New York City uh, LaGuardia's, uh, who has an airport named after him from 34 to 45, and then the organization was kind of extinct, and in came John Lindsay in 66. Um, is it that bad, or is it a different bad? Well, I guess if you want to explore the problem of factions and the problem of tyrants, uh, you would be well suited to consult Federalist 10, for example, a, a, a tremendous expose on the dangers of faction. If you want to know why the election system has gotten worse, you need to consult the Help America Vote Act and absorb, observe that uh, the electronic Voting systems to which we are all now subjected are a lot easier to manipulate at scale. That's actually what the particular finding that I was talking about regarding the PET, regarding these algorithmics that are controlling the assignment of state and county ID numbers in NICE Voter, the New York State Voter Roll Database, that's what that's really about. That's about you have 338,000 ballots and you need to attach them to qualified voters or those who appear to be qualified voters within the state database. You have the state database has 21 million rows. You need to drop in, say, you know, 3 million fictitious registrants so that you have places to park those votes within the database. And I'm not talking about the State Board of Elections doing this. I honestly, I'm not sure the State Board of Elections has any idea really of the scope and scale of what we've uncovered. Um, but the issue is that it, it makes it possible. These algorithmic assignments actually order the database in a way that's invisible to casual users of the database. 
And so if you wanted to find those 3 million records and you knew this key, you could easily uncover them and you could attach votes where it was needed and you could do it literally in the space of a minute. So the digital log is is a huge area for fraud and a big problem. And so the only all the legal jargons and petitions and on the street activism is one thing to try to clean up voter rolls and make sure that the dead people aren't voting and whatnot. But you're saying there's actually a a criminal conspiracy here in the digital universe to switch votes and make it really no paper trail, no audit available, no time. And it's it's a scam. And there's somewhere at the top, there's this huge cabal that's making this all tipped in the scales the way they want it to. That is certainly one possible way to describe what we have found. And I would say that the um, the assign these algorithms in the voter roll databases are a tremendously uh, dangerous and blatantly illegal uh, thing that we've uncovered. Yeah. What I so would the say the source about code, the source code itself is uh, fraudulent or has the potential for easy fraud. So, you know, no, it's let's, illegal. Let's talk... It's illegal. What we have Hold uncovered is a crime in the database. The assign the use of carefully hidden algorithmic programs to control the state voter roll database ID numbers is a an, an illegal act. I have no idea who did it. And I have no idea how it was accomplished. And I have no idea who controls it. And I have no idea who's aware of it other than the people in New York Citizens Audit and the folks who have uh, followed our story. So in terms of getting a remedy for 2024 on that particular issue, I don't think that's a very fruitful direction to pursue. That's why we're pursuing the black letter law violations. The New York state election law says, if you have a purged registration in the database, the registration has to have a purge date and it has to have a reason code. The reason for that is because a purged registrant cannot get a ballot under any circumstances. So if they have a vote in their voter history in the database now, that's not what shows up on the poll pad, it's in the database itself, the record, the audit record for all elections, all federal elections in the state, no one can tell if the vote was cast before they were purged or after they were purged. And obviously, if it was cast after they were purged, it was an illegal vote. The New York State Voter Roll Database has over one and a half million registration records that are purged with no purge date that voted in the 2020 and the 2022 general elections, cast tens of thousands of votes. First yeah. anyone, of all, anyone hardcore how in the heck did a purge cheat. registration vote? Second yeah. of all, those are blatant violations of the law. That's something anyone who balances a checkbook can relate to. And it's something a judge, even a judge can understand, right? Yeah, it's become so, so obvious that it's, if any hardcore partisan who, who wants to cheat, they are going to be able to if they're willing to do this. And then, of course, there becomes a conspiracy because you there are checks and balances along the way that have to be complicit in this. Um, I did want to, you know, I don't want to run out of time, but I did want to kind of ask this question. There's a difference between what you're talking about, which is voter fraud and cheating and actual criminal criminality, who we don't know who the fingerprints are, but we do know what's happening. 
but I brought up Tammany Hall because their popularity, and it was very popular for, for a long time, stemmed from their willingness to help the city's poor and immigrant populations. That's how ISIS and Hamas work, help the poor and use the money for graft, of course, but also they got to get it to them so they can get those votes. Otherwise, why would you vote for them? Like you said at the beginning, and maybe they learned all this from Boss Tweed, like bomb making exported from the IRA in Ireland. Do you think the willingness to let, let's say, Texas bus illegals to New York City, Chicago, does that play a part in, in repeating that new arrivals constituency and the NGO money like Ellis Island took in refugees in the 40s? Uh, you know, that's how they did it until Lindsay in 66. He wouldn't take it anymore. But but next came bankruptcy with the social services overwhelmed under Andrew Cuomo's dad, Barrio. Do you think there actually could be, once they cheated and got their power, that are letting in the illegals to repeat exactly that, a, a artificial, not an artificial, a dependent constituency like Tammany did in order to maintain power into the future where they could go back to legal elections that you couldn't see for yourself or cheating and therefore maintain power that way. Hopefully that explains what I'm trying to ask because I really want to know, are they bringing in the illegals to create a new Tammany Hall type of machine for future elections where they don't have to get busted cheating digitally? Well, thankfully, I don't know for certain what any of these potential uh, conspirators are thinking because I don't live in their head. So that's a great relief for me personally. <laughs> what I can say is there's no question, and it sounds like you're uh, very aware that the progressive movement has traded for 110 years on the uh, the twin emotions of guilt and fear. And they've also largely enticed the American people into pursuing um, personal pleasure over civic duty. And that was a direct and specific campaign. Um, so you have, uh, and you know, I don't know if you figured this out yet about me. I don't know how far back you went, but I grew up in the most progressive town in America, Amherst, Massachusetts, the birth of the politically correct movement, the birthplace. Um, so I well know how that particular mindset operates because I was completely indoctrinated as a child. And basically the, 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 the distortion, I would say, of the principles of equality and liberty are tremendous leverage points that the progressive philosophy has continually used over 110 years to get, you know, <clears throat> soft-hearted Americans compassionate Americans to go along with schemes. They're just, they're nothing more than schemes to gain power. Uh, they're they're bald-faced schemes, frankly, and typically they're based on blatant lies. Uh, but I think, you know, here we are. Sure, do they, do people who control money and power want to keep controlling money and power? I think we know the answer, right? Yeah. It doesn't water, matter yeah. because... Because we are facing, um, you know, we're facing a real crisis with our 2024 election. Not only are we facing a potential um, continuing of these civil rights violations in, in election misconduct that continues to go unaddressed, uninvestigated and unprosecuted. Again, we're not, I, United Sovereign Americans, we're not talking about voter fraud. We are talking about election misconduct. 
And so I just want to be clear about that. And we cannot let it continue to go unaddressed. At a bare minimum, the boards of elections have to know who their voters are and who they're giving ballots to. And they clearly don't. Do, uh, do and the other the issue in 2024 is, oh. is that people are starting to hate each other. And this is part of the, the way that a, that a civilized country is destabilized. And it's not the first time that this kind of effort has been launched against a peaceful and harmonious people who are seeking liberty and equality. It's certainly not the first time. And so we can't be blind to the fact that our country is likely under a direct attack through information war, and that is making us hate each other. And yeah. this is unacceptable. We're This is a terrible example for our children, a terrible example to, you know, to speak to our creator, to show to our creator, this is the best we can do. I don't think so. Yeah, so we really... revolution, red, white, and blue. Um, yes. Do you think the Secretary of State, Robert J. Rodriguez, let me put it this way, Letitia James has a serious pathology against Donald Trump. Do you think the Secretary of State in New York would do some unusual stuff like Maine and Colorado to get Trump off the ballot there, his home state? He doesn't have, actually, the Secretary of State in New York has nothing to do with elections, but the really? New York State, huh. yeah, but the, you know, the Attorney General or the State Board of Elections would happily do anything like that. I mean, my goodness, why not? Uh, the Letitia James is personally pursuing a subpoena against New York citizens audit to uh, basically she's accusing us of voter intimidation under the, you know, the Ku Klux Klan provision. Uh, it's just designed to make us look like a bunch of crazy racists because we've discovered that the error rate in the 2022 general election, the, uh, the registration error rate was 14%. The voting error rate in that election was 12%. The margin of victory in her election was 9%. And the legal standard of accuracy for a mixed or federal election is 0.0008%. Says it she all. cannot prove she won. The State Board of Elections cannot prove she won. And she's completely conflicted in going after New York Citizens Audit, trying to shut us down as an organization because we're calling out the potential illegal certification of her own election. It's an so that's actually power. funny to me because I actually interviewed this one in 2022, uh, Steve Hobbs of Washington State, um, our first Steve, Steve, and Steve show, Mr. Steve. Uh, <laughs> he, he was appointed by the Democratic governor, was a Democratic congressman, very partisan at state level, and then oversaw his own election in 2022 and called us crazy conspiracy theorists on this show for daring to ask questions about illegal ballots. So this is way back. Um, it's 100% mail in there and they have Zuckerberg from Facebook drop boxes. Um, but you say it, Secretary of State doesn't oversee your elections there. That's interesting. Is it that bad though that I just described where you have partisan, partisan, partisan overseeing their own partisan uh, elections? They do whatever they want in New York. I mean, whatever they want. that's... Letitia James is a perfect too. example. There so the Michigan no Secretary of the, State. The, the governor of New York State <clears throat> sued in New York State court. She appealed a ruling against her health department. She sued for the right to deny every single New York State citizen due process in the event of a medical emergency as 
uh, as determined by her uh, health experts. What, oh. what, like, on what planet does a governor sue for the right to deny their citizens due process in the United States of America? Planet New York, I guess. Um, Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, uh, who just looks like a wild-eyed Democratic lunatic, um, has been a proven liar and in on the illegal ballots. And Georgia, too, Brad Raffensperger. So it's bipartisan, I guess, in states that have a Secretary of State. Um, Michigan has Dem governor and Georgia Republican, supposedly. So you have an uphill battle. Are you getting any help from elected officials or any state regulatory agencies or the Federal Elections Commission at all? <laughs> no. Uh, well, let's see. There's 130 election officials in New York State, and we've met with three of them. Are they helpful or do they just listen and nod their head? <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> uh, one of them was extremely helpful. Another one may prove to be helpful. The meeting was recent. Uh, the third seemed genuinely interested after the first hour and a half in which she refuted every single thing I said on the basis of, no, that couldn't possibly be. Then she became interested when I asked her point blank if she had actually adjusted the birth dates of 800 people in her particular county voter roll database over the last 11 months. And she and her data expert looked at each other and realized that I was showing them fraud. And then she was interested, and then now she calls us a, uh, what, what the heck is that word? Propaganda. Oh, boy. Well, on August 17th, 2023, New York Citizens Audit submitted an official complaint to the SBOE Division of Election Law Enforcement requesting a line-by-line -line explanation for 5,142,950 apparent registration violations and 745,294 apparent voting violations from New York's 2022 general election, boom, you have them dead to rights. Any action been taken since then? Yes, actually, we gave them 10 days to respond. And on the 10th day was when the State Board of Elections, uh, in apparent conspiracy with media operations across the state, launched the campaign alleging that uh, citizen volunteers across the state were in, were. Uh, what's the word? They were impostering. What's the word? I can't. They were oh, pre uh, pretending, pretending yeah. to be election officials, election imposters, oh going door gosh. to door and accusing voters of fraud. And a month later, we were under subpoena by the New York State Attorney General. So that's how they responded to that particular report. They mm. sure responded. All right, last one, Help America Vote Act. These efforts will include holding Zuckerberg Soros, the 65 Project, the participants in the Transition Integrity Project, Connect, other machines and software vendors, and many others accountable under, uh, I deleted that part. Your memo states, the courts, bureaucrats, and politicians increasingly view themselves as election referees, overseeing close contests, and ultimately making the call a gross violation of their duty. I agree. How do we clean this up before November in just 11 months from now? <laughs> well, we have a great team in Tennessee that is currently looking over the Tennessee voter roll database and extracting these queries and claims for the state of Tennessee. So if any of your listeners in Tennessee want to be a part of that effort, please go to uniteforfreedom.com, unite4freedom.com and sign up to be a volunteer. 
And if you're not in Tennessee, but you like to listen to Steve and you like to be on the Milk Creek View podcast show and listen in, <laughs> make sure to volunteer for your state because in all likelihood, we have people to connect you to so that your state can either get more support than it currently has or get up and running. Are you in Washington State? We do not have a Washington State team. And you would need a 24-7, 365 for the next 20 years to fix that one. But I really appreciate you coming on and telling us all of that. We are at the end here. So tell us how else they can find you, follow your social media, anything about you, if you have a book to sell, anything, um, and then I'll let you go. I have nothing to sell, and I don't have any time for Twitter. Technically, I do have an account at Marley Hornick, but I believe me, I don't think I've posted there in four months because I am currently uh, managing the data team, the analytics team, the legal team, and all of these other teams. There's so there's hundreds and hundreds of extraordinary, skilled, professional, beautiful Americans coming in and working on this effort that is credible, that is based on making clear and effective measurements of the effect on our elections and the abridgment of our civil rights. So unfortunately, the only place to find me is by volunteering for United Sovereign Americans. All right. Well, you're very articulate at this and you're seems like you're just destined for it to from the farm to the uh, to the ballot poll to fix this. <laughs> you're the, the right woman for the job. We'd love to have you on again sometime. And uh, gosh, I, I, I really hope you can make some headway and it's worth all the time and effort you're putting into it. Cause without you, there's doesn't seem to be many. So thank you for what you're doing. God bless. You're listening to the Mill Creek view podcast, and this is Alan Shacklock. I'm a record producer an educator and an orchestrator and everything else I can get my hands on. <laughs> With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally, without restrictive exercise or cardboard dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof. Look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com I don't Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show. Producer Steve, what did you think of our guest, Marley Hornick? Oh, Steve. Um, reminds me of when we had the Mill Creek View Florida podcast and Kat was on there and we interviewed several individuals and uh, Chris Jornick out of Florida has done the mm -hmm. same thing. And Steve, you've had what five different authors and individuals over this course on the Tennessee podcasts um there is no problem there's you and i have no doubt the facts are there there is fraud i i call it criminal activity from the top down has been for decades and she is exactly right the reason why neither party does anything is they both gain everybody gains and yeah. uh 
they're, we're they're not there the for you and I, Steve. Stage. We're past the whodunit stage of oh. Columbo, and now we're into the what are you going to do about it stage. Yes. And I don't see anything except what she just told us. So New Year is here, feeling a lot like last year already, but um, always good for some review. Maybe things will improve in 2024. We live in hope, they say. Number of police officers in U.S. shot on the job in 2023 hit new high. The report says the National Fraternal Order of Police says 378 officers were shot last year. A new report shows the number of police officers shot on the job hit a new high. In 2023, the National Fraternal Order of Police, a national police group with nearly 400,000 members, released the report, which showed 378 officers were shot in the line of duty in 2023, up 14% from the previous year when 330 were shot. Of the 378 shot this year, 46 died from their injuries. The report goes on to say that there were 115 ambush-style attacks on officers in 2023, leading to 20 fatally shot officers. Thank you, John Solomon's Just the News for reporting that little gem. Seemed important to me. Doubt CNN or MSNBC will tell you, so I will. Last year, I played Leonard Nimoy for you, Spock, from Star Trek on climate change and how whoever wrote that script and stuck him out in the cold to recite the lines on camera about global cooling wasted his time and their money to pay him since uh, we're still here and the ice age hasn't cometh. No. Some of you will get that. Um, here's another well-known, at the time, 1992 take on the same thing. Let's hear it. Day of headline-hungry media. A recent crisis of the month had to do with global warming. An ozone hole is opening up over the United States, we were told. The effects of which were already measurable in an increase in skin cancer. On the contrary, destroying chlorine around the polar vortex has been declining since January. A major objective of a recent shuttle mission was to determine the scope and scale of the so-called ozone hole, and the silence since has been deafening from those whose livelihood depends on creating crises. Recent data from the Upper Atmosphere Research Satellites affirms that any problem is less, it's not greater. Ozone levels fluctuate all of the time, partly because of volcanic activity and solar flares. But MIT's technology review has made an exhaustive study of worldwide ocean temperatures since 1851 has concluded that there appears to have been little or no global warming over the past century. In fact, the net rise in world surface temperature during the last century, which was about 1%, almost all occurred before 1940, and that was before aerosols, and that has since been reversed. Former NASA chief Robert Jastrow and former Scripps director William Nirenberg, past president of the American Academy of Sciences, Frederick Seitz, all have concluded in a scathing rebuke of those who make money by predicting global warming, quote, if we allow ourselves to be influenced by press release, we could spend a trillion dollars over the next decade destroying what's left of the American economy in an utterly unnecessary attempt to repeal the Industrial Revolution. And I that's guess exactly what they did. Yes, they yep. did. 
For you youngins, that voice is of Paul Harvey. Got his first radio gig at age 14, 40 years before me. Was with ABC News Radio back in the day. I played you his If I Were the Devil last year. Amazing. Joe Rogan just found that this week, by the way. So he should be listening to me. Uh, Google that. For more than three decades, from the 1970s to his death in 2009, Harvey would address his millions of listeners six days a week, giving them the back six days a week. I only do it three to get uh, uh, giving them the backstory to people, things and events, both famous and not so known. Hey, kind of like this show. Uh, interesting. <laughs> so some people he was a far right conservative, a brother in arms to the John Birch Society, Billy Graham, William F. Buckley and other icons of the 1940s, 50s and 60s. Uh, check this out. Good evening, Americans. We are just never ready for this kind of thing in this country. We deplore the hotheads elsewhere in the world who change governments with guns, but we try to ignore the fact that now four of our own presidents have been cut down by assassins. It had been such a tremendous welcome at the Dallas airport and all along the parade route that Mrs. Kennedy, who had become perhaps his greatest political asset, turned to her husband and said, you can't say Dallas wasn't friendly to you. Moments later, in the back seat of that open car, she cradled her husband's bleeding head in her arms, saying, oh no, oh no. Top speed, it was still five minutes to Parkland Hospital. Mrs. Kennedy did not collapse, no hysteria. When she entered the hospital, her chic fuchsia suit was covered with her husband's blood. President Kennedy, within 30 minutes, was dead from a bullet in his brain. There was another wound in the president's neck, which could have been from the same bullet. Mrs. Kennedy's wish was to return to Washington immediately to be with the children. The bullets, by now you know, came from a warehouse window. On the fifth floor, police found the remains of some fried chicken and some paper. The assassin had waited there. How long you want this one, Steve? Uh, yeah, I read it. I wrote it down, but that's enough. Uh, there's more of that, obviously. Yeah, uh, 15 so minutes. 13 YouTube, minutes uh, the rest of the story, Paul Harvey excerpt from November 22nd and 26, 1963. Interesting note, Mike Huckabee, former Arkansas governor after Bill Clinton and presidential candidate once or twice, whose live TBN studio audience here in Nashville, and I'll be at tomorrow, hmm. uh, took over for the rest of the story for a while. Trivia. Uh, I'll report back Thursday. It airs Saturday and Sundays, that show. Um, Huckabee. Next, Hollywood is calling and Tennessee is answering. New members from the new numbers from the Tennessee Entertainment Commission show the entertainment production industry is generating hundreds of millions of dollars for the state each year. From 2014 to 2022, statewide employment in film and video production grew 82%, ranking Tennessee as number five among all states in the nation for jobs in the entertainment production industry in 2022. Incentivized projects made a total of $124.8 million impact with 1,025 new jobs and $66.4 million in new incomes. The projects touched every corner of the state with production taking place in 39 out of 95 counties. You may say, deja vu. No, I did say that to Jack Johnson last week. And the reason is, is because I'm testifying before this Tennessee session next week on this to bring more of it here where I live. So I'll let you know about that too. Why? I don't know. We'll find out, uh, but stay tuned. We got lots of good stuff coming this year in that regard at the Mill Creek View uh, company, not just the podcast. So stick around and I'll bring you along for the ride. Combo good news, bad news out of Tennessee. 
Tennessee has one of the highest overall rates of child homicide in the nation, but ranks even higher for the rate of kids killed by guns. One out of every four children who died in 2021 was killed by a bullet. New data released Monday by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth provides a comprehensive portrait of the lives and deaths of Tennessee's children and the economic and social forces that shaped their childhoods from poverty to educational achievement, access to health care and housing. While child deaths by firearms are on the rise, Tennessee ranks seventh in the nation for children murdered by guns. Youth in Tennessee are much more likely to be the victim of a firearm crime than to perpetuate one. The State of the Child in Tennessee 2023 report notes, in 2022, kids were perpetrators of 1,561 crimes involving firearms. They were victims in 4,490 firearm-related crimes, according to the report. At the same time, the state's largest cities, Memphis, Chattanooga, and Nashville, all experienced a decline in the under-18 crime rate. Nashville and Memphis experienced some of the largest declines in youth crime in Tennessee, according to the report. The report also notes that infant mortality from all causes has increased in Tennessee after a slight decline between 2019 and 2022. Tennessee's infant mortality rate of 6.6 .6 per thousand surpassed the national average of 5.6 per 1,000. The two things stand out to you, Steve, that weren't mentioned in that? No, go ahead. Vaccines, oh. suicides. Oh, and yes. it's an election year. Get ready for wall-to-wall -wall campaign ads and negative news stories about Nikki Haley's fascism, Ron DeSantis's fascism, Chris Christie's fascism, and least until he drops out after New Hampshire. Of course, Donald Trump's fascism and Ivanka's and Melania's and Donald Jr.'s and Eric's, etc., etc., and how sweet and grandfatherly Uncle Joe is. We'll, since we know how that will all be written and go. What we don't know is how John Wayne would feel about this election, right? He's dead, for those that don't know, but through the magic of television, we actually do know. Let's ask him, Mr. Wayne, you Team MAGA or Team Dementia? Well, folks, gather around as we talk about the backbone of this great nation, the classic American values that built it. Now, there's this fella I'm sure you heard of, a true believer in the American dream and a believer in the American people. Now, this fellow understands hard work, the kind that turns dreams into reality. He's got the grit to fight for our way of life and the grace to preserve the values that make our nation the land of the free and the home of the brave. That fella's name, Donald J. Trump. See. We're at a crossroads now where those values are fading like a sunset on the prairie. But Donald Trump, he's the way to restore that American spirit, to bring back the dreams that built this nation. The American dream ain't just some notion. It's the heartbeat of this country. And Donald Trump, well, he aims to keep that heart pumping to give every hard-working man and woman a fair shot at that dream. So when it comes time to cast your vote, remember this old cowboy's advice. Hit the one who'll stand tall, talk straight, and ride for the brand of the red, white, and blue. It's time. <laughs> Is that AI, Steve? <laughs> I would have to think so, yes. All right. Thank you, Mr. Wayne. Time for my question. <laughs> For the day, before I share, I want to remind everyone to subscribe for free to Mill Creek View Podcast. It's free. Just go to Rumble. It's free. Or Spotify. It's free. Or iTunes. It's free. Search for Mill Creek View. It's free. And hit the subscribe button. 
that's free to do. And I really hope you like it. And you can join the conversation at Mill Creek View. I need some defenders. They're coming for me uh, on Twitter and Facebook anytime until they deplatform me completely. Say, we got a note this time on Rumble. Five stars. Thank you. I always enjoy the show. I feel like it keeps me very informed, entertained, and educated on issues important to me. Eddie Y., the horse guy via Apple Podcast, United States of America, 122723. Thanks, horse guy. We enjoy spending time with you too. And thanks for listening. So he inspired me, sticking with the John Wayne and horse theme for today. Here we go. A pony is a childhood dream, a horse is an adult treasure. Rebecca Carroll. If you want a stable friendship, get a horse, unknown. But that's a play on Harry Truman's line, if you want a friend in politics, get a dog. Close enough. A man on a horse is spiritually as well as physically bigger than the man on foot. John Steinbeck. Hmm, can't argue with that. <laughs> there is something about the outside of a horse that is good for the inside of a man. Sir Winston Churchill. I'd have to think on that one. Kind of weird, actually. Um, anyway, maybe like Empire Strikes Back where they cut the guy in half and you go inside him to stay warm. Anyway, when I bestride him, I soar. I am a hawk. He trods the air. The earth sings when he touches it. The bassist horn of his hoof is more musical than the pipe of Hermes. William Shakespeare. Hmm. Kind of funny to envision him on a horse. Whoever said a horse was dumb was dumb. Will Rogers. I agree. That's it for this episode. Thank you, Marley Hornick, for your Reagan optimism that we can fix our voting system in America and get back to voting our consciences and voice the will of the people and be successful. I just can't be sure it'll happen myself. Hope she's right and I'm wrong. That is goodbye for now. I am your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of MillCreekView.us. See y'all tomorrow. Peace in our time and definitely G2G. Let's go out on Marley Hornick's singing career. He's on the treble.
Any views or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.